Welcome to Changing Reels, a podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema, one reel at a time. My name is Courtney Small. I write about film for several publications, including ThatShelf.com, where the show was hosted, and Cinema Access, to name a few. I'm also the co-host of the podcast Frameline. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by podcaster, writer, Petula Neal. Petula is the host of the film-loving podcast In a Tiff. She's also the co-host of the great comic book-centric podcast, Back Issues Bloodbath. Petula has been on the show before. Listeners, you might remember her from episode 62, where we discussed Hustlers. Petula, how are you doing today? Better now that I'm talking to you. Oh, that's good to hear. And I know, because you had mentioned before, that the film we're going to be talking about is, is dear to your heart. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Our main film for today is the 1991 action film, Point Break, directed by Catherine Bigelow. The film focuses on FBI agent Johnny Utah as he goes undercover to infiltrate a crew of surfers who are suspected of being the infamous bank robbers known as the ex-presidents. Petulia, do you want to kick us off with a few thoughts on, on this action classic? So for years, I've been calling the entire Fast and Furious franchise Point Break with Cars. However, upon a much deeper rewatch to prepare for this, I realized that's kind of an insult to both films. Well, one film, one franchise, if you disregard the Point Break reboot. This movie is probably one of the best kind of high art action films that I've ever watched. Like, And it, it still stands up, which so many things age poorly, especially now when you rewatch them. And it's definitely not perfect. Definitely doesn't even pass the Bechdel test. But this movie over time, like the relationship between the leads the pacing of the story, the the foot chase, and I know we'll get there, so I'll just put a pin in that for now. This is up there. Like there's moments in this film where you are truly just holding your breath until a sequence ends that any movie could take, especially one that I've seen as many times as this one, could take me completely out of my head in this year of all years. Hats off to you again, Ms. Bigelow. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is one where, you know, as a unabashed fan of the Fast and Furious franchise, I acknowledge its its blatant thievery of of this entire premise. Even rewatching it again, the whole them drinking Corona and the nods to Corona, I was like, oh man, that Fast and Furious does not hide how much it has cribbed from this franchise. But I also had forgotten how much action Catherine Bigelow packed into this film. There are so many ridiculously thrilling sequences in this film. And as you said, it still holds up today. Like I was thinking back to some other films where, you know, more well-known directors, shall we say, in terms of people who's had careers that have gone even further than Catherine Bigelow's have done action movies and they can't even do like a simple car chase scene where in this film, she nails every action sequence she does. I have some issues with the latter part of this film, um, but that's more of a, just from a, I guess, a narrative standpoint, but overall, I, I, I still have to tip my hat to this film. It, it holds up. It's great. There's a whole lot of testosterone in this film, which we will definitely get into. But if it's all right with you, I want to start with the bromance of sorts, because this film does a really interesting thing of having the undercover cop become friends with the criminals, which is nothing new. But I would say about the halfway point, the criminal realizes that he's being He's befriended a cop and still decides to keep him around. And I think part of that is ego. Part of that is just genuine friendship that has been formed over their love of adrenaline. 
So do you want to just say a few words about the uh, the bond between Johnny Utah and, and Bodie? He's instantly fascinated by him. He's with the woman that he is half into, half is using as a way into the surfing community, the Keanu, Johnny Utah character. And when he sees Bodie for the first time, it is, it's like Charlie's angel's hair flip scene, except it's Bodie in the water. He stares at him mouth open and... Mm-hmm. The woman he's with Tyler, she sees that it's like obviously knows who he's looking at, knows that this is just what Bodie does to people. But then it's it's weirdly reciprocated later on in a tackle into the water that is, you know, very aggressive and physical and mirrors a fight that they have much, much later in the movie, where if if you shot that it's from slightly different angles or slowed it down, both of those would look like a classic kind of couple having sex at the shoreline situation, but angrily. There's a few moments in the movie where they look into each other's eyes uh, in peak action points. And there's a connection there that is, it's something beyond a friendship because how quickly they fall into whatever they've fallen into with each other. This, uh, This dangerous fascination with the one person who could end their chosen careers, basically, is it's fantastic to watch. And it's great to watch the way they play it because you see them both see it happening and kind of like shrug and just be like, ah, that guy, I can't quit him. And yeah, I use that phrase uh, on purpose because it's it's not as queer baby, I would say, as some other things that are like really overt and kind of wink and lean into it. See also every CW show. But there is something about their relationship that mirrors and yet kind of makes his relationship with Tyler, the the girlfriend character, a little bit less. It's like after you see him really get up on a big wave for the first time, he spent all this time getting trained by Tyler, like, you know, getting the rudimentary kind of surfing lessons, getting the basics. But the first time he really gets there, it's with Bodhi. And that is, they continue that sort of trend throughout the movie. There's this this weird bond of alphas. I like how you said that, you know, they they recognize immediately that there's something about the other that they find fascinating. And Bodhi is quick to lay claim on on Tyler. But then a few scenes later, he's whatever is mine is yours. Wink wink nudge nudge, including, you know, my my woman or my my ex-woman. And there's this weird, I guess, kindred spirit type of bond with them that you don't see the other guys and Bodhi's crew have. And I like how you pointed out the the surf scene because I found that interesting as well. Bodhi just shows up and says, you know, we're going surfing at night and everyone follows. And even Johnny Utah, yes, he's undercover, but I don't think there's any point where he says no, like really meaning no to, to Bodhi. He's the one person, like he, he will stand up to his boss stand up to his partner, other cops. When it comes to Bodhi, he just kind of gives himself to Bodhi um, as, as much as he, he can. And it's, it's a really unique friendship. You know, obviously he doesn't pull the trigger when he had the chance to shoot him after the great foot chase scene. But even at the end, I found he allowed Bodhi to have death on his own terms. In, in Bodhi's mind, of course, he's still thinking that he's slightly superior over over Johnny and everyone else but I, I looked at that final moment as you're still giving Bodhi what he wants like even to the very last minute you've chased him all over the world but he can easily sway you just with with a few words I mean he he has his little speeches by the campfire 
but really what gets him is just with each other it's their energy it's their kind of their physicality with each other so Bodhi definitely uses his whole kind of beach shaman anarchy for the people the whole thing about people inching their way down the highways in their metal coffins like he needs a bit more of that with with the other broheim but I mean, I think he, I think he had Johnny at hello. Yeah, the the fact that where they they bond is over football. It's oh, you were at this Rose Bowl. You were this great quarterback in in college. You've immediately got my respects. And one of the things I find interesting about the character of Bodie, just from a cinematic action villain standpoint, is usually the head guy is you know, ruthless or just wants money or world domination, what have you. But here, to me, Bodhi comes off almost like a shady evangelical preacher in the sense that he talks a lot about spirituality, becoming one with nature, nonviolence, but his ego is always first and foremost. You know, uh, he could talk about, you know, being one with your, your fellow man, but he always makes sure that he's the one that is the alpha dog. He's the one that will conquer mother nature and, and ride the, the most dangerous wave. He, you know, he's the one that will break his own rules in terms of going after vaults when robbing a bank just to, to rub it in Johnny's face. It's a very interesting dynamic to his character and how it kind of offsets the, the rest of the film. So I want you to know what you thought about the I guess the spiritual side that's kind of weaved into this film. I think the cult leader energy, definitely there, except that he lacks the self-preservation of, let's say, a Nexium type person who makes sure that their hands aren't on, their fingerprints aren't on as many things. I mean, yes, he, he clearly does a great job of sanitizing the drop vehicle to the point of staying a bit too long at the, the fire scene that... Weirdly, almost reminiscent of a Zoolander. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he believes some of his bullshit, but I think he also knows deep down he's just kind of an adrenaline junkie that likes taking risks. Yeah, and I can see that in many ways it's an addiction that Johnny Utah quickly gets. It's almost like he's, he's providing Johnny the, the hit Johnny never knew he needed. We can't talk about the adrenaline without just talking about the sheer craziness in terms of the the action like this is a movie where you you not only get one skydiving scene but you get two and in both skydiving scenes i was never sure or at least when initially watching it if johnny would survive even though you know he's the hero of the tale and back in 90s action films the hero pretty much usually survives but the first time you think well there's a good chance his parachute might not open and he has that kind of tense you first game of chicken with Bodie, and then the second time the man jumps out of a plane without a parachute all he's got is a gun because he's just that type of badass FBI agent. And again, you have another game of chicken, which he he loses. I don't know, just the way how even those scenes were were shot, I thought were great. And there's just, just so much action in this in this film. And both times there's a moment of exhilaration in the sky that Bodie and Johnny share where they physically connect that again. I mean, the metaphor mm -hmm. is right there. If you want to read that into it, it's <laughs> there's a few moments where it's just almost text and not subtext. But in both those moments when he has this sort of it's not like a high five, but like so they clasp arms together in the sky, not the all five, but the two of them. And then later on, when it's basically he's fully wrapped around him, embracing him, it's there's still 
Bodhi's joy at the fact that he's pushed Johnny to this point. It's like, yeah, I got you here. And how does it feel? Like, you kind of like this, right? Like that whole energy. So that part of like, I don't even know, it's sort of spirituality, I guess, is how he advertised it to his other acolytes. But it was really just that, how far can I push this person? Then how good does it feel to them when they did something they never thought they would do? Mm -hmm. That's his high is getting someone else high. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that because you think of just all the, the action sequences that happen in this film, especially the ones that involve Bodhi, they're all related to some aspect of the thrills that he gets. Uh, you know, even a simple, something as simple as like the the beach fight with the, the death squad where he comes in and pulls out his classic Patrick Swayze kung fu kick. A lot of the action sequences center around things that he gets thrills out of. And, and in many ways, he's bringing Johnny into that world what did you think of the bank heist i, I want to talk about the, the death squad raid but first let's just get to the the bank heist it starts off with a moment of comedy you know getting a sandwich and not realizing that a heist is taking place and then you've got this crazy car chase that occurs which turns into a foot chase where i think it was like even like a bulldog is, yeah. is thrown at, at one point and there's like a flamethrower there, there's so much happening in there yeah that was one of those there's a the section of the movie where I most felt like how I felt watching pretty much the back half of Mad Max Fury Road, where you're like, when is this going to let up? When can I breathe again? When can I mm-hmm. unclench? Like, when can I blink? Because to your point, it just keeps going. It changes venues, right? Like they fully change vehicles. They split off. Then the foot chase part, it's all. And then it ends. It ends the way it begins. So yes, you have, and at some point we'll get into just just the terrible law enforcement across the board. Like <laughs> just people that are not great at their jobs. We'll, we'll put a pin in that for now. And we'll say it starts the minute that they run out of the bank. And it, again, it starts and ends with them looking into each other's eyes. It's a much shorter moment. But when one of the other presidents is about to shoot, Bodhi stops him and then they get in the car. So that's how it starts. Bodhi giving him a long look in the eye, moving the other guy's gun and saying, get in the car. And then it ends with, him looking Bodhi in the eyes, he's climbing the fence. Yeah, I didn't even think of that deeper connection. Yeah. Yeah. In between, it's all this like kinetic, kinetic, you know, cars are bouncing off things, you know, they're lighting another vehicle on fire. You have the inevitable, of course, he stayed too long trying to sanitize the vehicle. Johnny catches up. He's running down the street, still smoking. I love that shot of like, just like the, it's probably like some combination of like, you know, dust and whatever, like coming off the soup, but it's like, he's still smoking as he's running. And then everything like through the houses. And then these still moments where you can see they've built in like sort of cuts or changes where the camera person's in front or behind, like that very like careful, I'm going to lock this screen door. So it feels, when you remember it, it feels like completely nonstop, but there are these little moments in between where they, one of them has to stop and do something where it's a different way to climb over a fence or that, you know, locking the glass door. So then when Johnny Utah comes, he has to like throw the chair through it and dive onto that poor woman's uh, dining room table. But yeah, it's, that whole scene is, it's great. You're exhausted at the end and again, because it starts and ends with them looking in the each other's eyes it has this sort of tie into their relationship being all about shared adrenaline i really like the the little details and as you mentioned like the the locking of the glass door and one of the things i loved about that sequence is because they're still so close to each other johnny doesn't even break a stride it's almost like he's running he sees that the door is locked he grabs whatever the chair or whatever and then it kind of smashes 
right through. Like, you know, even though you get those moments of pause for one person, the next person is still very much go, go, go. And as you said, it, it makes every the tension just sustain even even longer. And I compare that scene to the the Death Squad raid, which you know ties into like horrible policing. In that sequence, you get more moments where there's a lot of pause, insanity, and then pause. Because even when Johnny Utah is having his face almost being pushed into a lawnmower, there's still enough time where you kind of breathe, even though it's supposed to be a very tense moment. And you know that something's going to happen because these aren't the guys he's after. And you're going to put Keanu's face in a lawnmower. Exactly. And, you know, the, the most that happens again is his knee gets damaged. Although there's parts of this film where I'm like, shouldn't your knee still be hurting? I feel like he would have had to have a replacement by the end of the film. That that last, uh, that drop where they pulled really late. Yes. Yeah, That that's a perfect example. He should not be able to get up after, yeah. Yeah, after even, that. Yeah, the talk about you still surfing and, you know, the kind of epilogue wrap up of all the places he's been hunting. And it's just, but when did you get your knee surgery that you desperately needed after this? Because <laughs> it sounds like you've been chasing him for a year nonstop. Nonstop, yeah. So you, you shouldn't be able to. And then, you know, there's a couple of moments where the knee conveniently acts up again. You're like, oh, so now the knee is not not functioning. But when you when he's with the death squad crew, it's like it's before the the knee gets busted. You know, a lot of stuff is happening. Cops are getting stabbed. One of the things I will say about this film is it's one of the rare films where you have a naked woman go from being like the the damsel in many ways. All this chaos is happening in front of her to being one of the aggressors. Oh yeah, she she was letting them catch those hands. She came out of that shower ready to fight. She took out a couple of people, stabbed one guy, punched out another. The film never like, gets glorifies her, her nudity. Like there was never a moment where it stops to kind of linger on her body. It's just, you see there's a naked woman from a distance and then she comes out and she's just kicking butt. She comes out swinging, yeah. You know, to the point where when she, I think she eventually gets punched or, or something. It doesn't feel, like even that doesn't feel like a gratuitous moment of, oh, uh, you know, a woman's just getting abused. Whereas like now that you, this woman would have most likely killed the the partner. She was just that lethal. And yeah, everything about the way that was shot, that's, those are the moments when you remember, oh, right, a woman directed this. Yes, exactly. It added something to that scene too, because watching it, I was thinking, oh man, you know what? She's probably the most fearsome one of the the death squad crew even though she may not be quote-unquote officially part of the crew like, i wasn't really worried about them with the other dudes so yeah there's a lot of guns and they're fighting recklessly but like that woman came out of nowhere i don't know who she was but i was afraid of her by by the end of that whole sequence yeah i i would not want to wake up in my bunk in uh, <laughs> in county the next day to see her walking in and speaking of differences that are shown by having a female director i wanted to know what you thought about the portrayal of tyler I found Tyler was a really interesting character that I was a little annoyed that she became the Danzel in distress by the end. But then at the same time, it's a 90s action film and 90s action films were really testosterone heavy. But one of the things I liked about Tyler was that she was a character that had her own agency, but also could really read the character of people like really well, like moments where she, at least for the first half of the film, is a lot more intuitive and a lot more, I guess, has a lot more agency than what you would normally get from that type of role in other action films. Well, first off, I have to thank 
everyone involved for not fridging her totally. Instead, they basically fridged his gang, except for Rosie. Whereas I feel like in every other version of the multiverse, they would have just had her character be killed and have them both feel some type of way about it. But instead, you know, they made Bodhi have much more agency in a choice. And then you see him regret it, but realize the only way this is going to work, his plan is going to work, is if they both have something to lose. It's more for Johnny, but he still would feel some type of way if something happened to Tyler. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to your point, there's a lot of things I like about her. In interviews, um, people have said multiple times that both Keanu and Lori Petty were very much Catherine's choices. Maybe not necessarily the choices of other folks that were, you know, probably expecting slash hoping probably did a lot of, you know, unnecessary casting sessions with what somebody would say would be your more typical California surfer girl look at what people would expect at that time. But this woman hanging out with this group of people makes sense. Is athletic not you know just like not just as a surfer like you know she's playing football with them on the beach all of these people clearly were probably the days they did show up to high school would only either play or watch sports with like any level of enthusiasm i guess in Bodie's case maybe english or something else where he could learn you know crib some more bars that he could drop to use to either seduce ladies or you know gain more followers actual real life human followers children not um people on the internet but yeah <laughs> she's definitely the kind of person who would have hung out with them in high school you know hung at the same places worked at the same places surfed the same breaks so everything about her being part of this group it doesn't seem like the you know oh all of a sudden some sort of goddess shows up who just happens to be the kind of possibly still occasionally girlfriend but definitely not the current active girlfriend of the main bank robber but that somebody as cool as her would end up hanging out with those guys kind of makes sense yeah, you you instantly feel like she she's definitely a, a person that would that they would not only hang up but they have a certain level of respect for over let's say some of the other girls that might be hanging around the house. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about while watching this film, when this film came out, 91, we were coming off the tail end of hyper masculine, hyper muscle bound 80s, like the Van Dams, uh, Schwarzenegger, Stallone. I mean, you had the you had Die Hard, which I guess was ushering in a whole bunch of other Die Hard like clones for a good portion of the the 90s. But if I remember correctly, I think this was like Keanu's first real action movie. You betcha. You think of like the stuff that he had been in before. I could see people saying, oh, he's not the, the right type because they, you, they would expect, you know, a, a Schwarzenegger or a Van Damme. But because of this film, we got a whole slew of films where I would like to say it's slightly more realistic bodies or more average Joe type heroes. Because, you know, eventually you get like Will Smith becoming an action hero. North America starts to discover Jackie Chan in the 90s. Wesley Snipes becomes like a big action hero in the 90s. So, you know, he was almost like the the jumping off point for a, a different type of, of action hero, which you wouldn't have gotten if, if Bigelow didn't fight for it. Even the scene, I would say sort of the most kind of typical movie voyeuristic again so this is shot by a woman when she's changing by the beach yeah it's it's low-key creepy that he's watching her change but mm -hmm. you still you don't actually see anything and it's very quick and efficient in exactly how any woman who's had to change outdoors or uh at let's say if you're at a busy store like a woman could get like fully in and out of an outfit in public without showing any skin pretty quickly so i did kind of love the efficiency of that like if anything the scene that feels the most revealing is like when you have the camera go in close on the bathing suit bottom 
but you never see anything under the towel line until she's in her shorts and the bathing suit bottom is all the way down by her ankles. And yet it's a sort of weird, almost Victorian thing. It's like, ooh, the bathing suit. She has nothing on for this moment. That's true. And I was, I was trying to think of like, if anything, I'd say the film focuses on the, the male form slightly more, but even that it doesn't do it in like a, a gratuitous way. I think back to like the opening shots of this film where you almost get like the angelic juxtaposition of um, Bodhi riding the waves and, and Keanu being the, the ace shooter at, at everything throughout the film like even the the fight scenes and whatnot it's like, like you know you see a lot of puffed up male physiques and stuff but it doesn't feel gratuitous like like i felt like she had m- more interesting things to say than yeah. oh look at these hot people and one of the things i was also thinking about watching this and i don't know what your thoughts are but this film came out in 91 huge hit still holds up today but yet when i was thinking back to other female directed action films there haven't been that many we've we've seen a wave of movies where women are getting to be action heroes in in prominent films whether it be like Furiosa or Wonder Woman Mulan but I a lot of the things that I'm thinking about that came at least popped to mind were all like it's kind of superhero films or franchise. Like most recent one, I guess, is the new Mulan film directed by a woman. You have, you know, tons of, of action in that movie. But everything else that popped to my mind from like Captain Marvel to Punisher Warzone, they're all superhero movies. Um, I guess we could say The Matrix, throw that in. But it's I found it fascinating that you know she provided such a, a great template. And yet there haven't been that many women that have gotten shots like it's the genre for a long time was still very much only males like this and we have to do it for males. Yeah, and it makes you wonder what we missed out on because when you watch interviews that were filmed closer to when the movie came out versus now, it is interesting. Almost all of the actors, especially almost all of the leads except for Lori Petty's character being male, talk about like how good a job she did as a female director. And then when you watch interviews that have happened sort of years on, that comes up less and less. I mean, probably any interview where any of the leads are asked about this after Hurt Locker, especially, they aren't necessarily going to be talking about, you know, well, women are just more detail oriented or this or that. But like, Mm -hmm. these are things that they said. Um, The actors, if you sort of go back and find like old interviews or like kind of featurettes that were done around closer to the time the film came out. And I think it's just, you know, as a director, this is the kind of material that Catherine Bigelow liked to do. And she's good at it. And there's probably other women who could be good at this too, but they don't get the opportunity. You know, it did help at that time. Like, I think when they picked up the property, I think it was her and sort of James Cameron that kind of picked up the option of this after uh, it, the script was floating around for a while. It was attached to like, at one point, I think, Charlie Sheen or Johnny Depp. It didn't go into production. Apparently they got as far as like having sets made that they were going to tear down. And then her and Jim Cameron sort of found the, the material and and she went with it. But yeah, I think a lot of happy accidents had to happen for her to get even the chance to do this. And I mean, she did an amazing job, but this is still the era of just because like, you know, one woman got lucky once, they weren't all of a sudden going to start throwing action scripts at female directors. I remember reading an interview with um, Gina Prince-Blythewood talking about her film, was it The Old Guard? Oh gosh, yeah. The adaptation that that came out and she was 
she had mentioned about like how she had wanted to do an action film for a long time, right? But the way how the industry is, they don't naturally assume that a, a female can handle these action films. And there's a lot of times where you look and go, there's, there's been a lot of men who've made a lot of horrible action movies. Think of all the female directors that have been waiting for their shot, constantly have to sit by and watch average filmmakers get, get films. And I, it's weird because I think we're in an era now where just because of how the industry is, most of the action films are comic book properties that, you know, even a film like Point Break, which is, you know, a standard action film, it's a bank heist movie, it's a, a whole lot of things thrown into one. You don't even see those type of films made nowadays like you you have either the the john wicks which no shade to john wick because i love those movies the john wick clones where they might throw in a female lead or superior so even like the the type of films that are getting made now are more narrower and i like to believe that the doors are are opening a smidge because we're, we're seeing what chloe zhao is doing the eternals we've got the wonder woman sequel but it's still still drops in the bucket compared to the, the type of action films that men get to do it's one of those weird things in the industry where rewatching this film again and realizing, man, like how much we missed in terms of other female driven action films and what like what could have what could have been. Yeah, what could have been for the, you know, one female character that was allowed in most of those movies where, you know, Lori Petty actually gets stuff to do here. She gets to be a person that thinks and stuff. And that is rarely the case. The female character in any action movie is very much only one thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're they're almost all damseled at some point. But again, in this one, I would say she gets so much to do before the the damsel moment that I'm not as mad at it as I would be in other films. So we're not mad, just disappointed. Like, oh, this yeah. again. Like, can we not give the hero something to do besides save his woman or some woman that he just met that will definitely for sure give him enthusiastic, grateful sex after he saved her yes after you know they will quote unquote fall in love after after he has saved the day thinking back to to tyler and in comparison to some of the other characters in this film i found her to be quite grounded because his partner was it papa scary Busey's character and their boss who i'm forgetting their name i thought their boss was was just ridiculous like he he was rolling at a at a level 100 from the jump this role was probably what made the original script for Scrubs call for a John C. McGinley type. He was basically like, you're watching that. You're like, oh, oh, it's 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 the guy from Scrubs. Because I mean, it is the same actor, but like they didn't actually think they'd get him. They just, when they were writing the script for Scrubs, they said a, a, a John McGinley type. And it was very much based on like that energy, that walk and talk that's just full of, you know, typical like bad boss energy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So the other men are sort of almost like too juiced up with the other kind of testosterone, like the grumpy old partner slash bad boss testosterone. It's yeah, it's we're swimming. We're swimming in that juice in this movie. Definitely. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's so much because I mean, there's the part where Gary Busey's character, Pappas, when uh, John Utah is saying, well, I think I've got an in through Tyler. He's like a woman, woman surfing. No, no, that's that's just ridiculous. Like, there's there's a lot of unnecessarily yelling. There's a lot of dismissing of, of ideas. Johnny Utah has to get his partner all riled up and angry so that they can have a conversation about what one person's theory is. It's like there's, there's just so much crazy energy that it's almost comical. And especially when you compare it to a character like Tyler in this film where she's calling out 
all the toxic masculinity before you know they didn't have the, the proper term for it back then it's it's just a really interesting contrast and i don't think you would have seen that through other directors because so many films in the 90s had those guys and it was just kind of like that's just the way how it is you know that's that's how you know you're in a real action film whereas here it's like yeah these characters are ridiculous let's let's focus back on on the bromance that's that's occurring yeah and honestly i think if you were gonna do another remake of this although they probably wouldn't now or a reboot or a reimagining i just say lean into the energy between all three of them and make it a throuple because mm-hmm. that is definitely the energy that i think would be there as subtext now if they even try to redo this kind of like in the the psycho kind of way if they did like a shot for shot kind of remaking of psycho when vince vaughn was in this would they had strong throuple energy between all three of them but she was definitely the most air quotes normal human being in this entire film yeah she could she she, she knew how powerful and dangerous the the drug of, of Bodhi is and, yeah and, and can see others getting high off of it did you see the the remake I swore I would never watch it and then I think it was you know it was either it was on one of the streaming things or it was on something that I already get with my cable I I don't even know if I made it through the whole movie I definitely okay. did not it had potential uh, one of the biggest challenges, I think, is that they said, oh, well, this movie had all of this. Let's make this like extreme sports, like kind of X Games meets crime meets like we'll travel oh. more places. They'll do more stuff. So any chance it had of having any kind of character development was gone because they were trying to do too much. And then also they leaned a bit back from that kind of the, the main relationship where even Fast and the Furious, while they, they leaned harder into it, but made it more of like, you know, the whole family thing. They they understood those movies, like that the main thing was the relationship between the the male leads, like mm-hmm. the that men can love these sort of very macho movies, but like at their core, it's about like, I have formed this relationship with this other man or this other group of people, mostly males, where it's very loving, like we care about each other. I'm purposely avoiding the Fast and Furious talk because that's a rabbit hole that I could go down for days. But I, I will agree with you. One of the things that I've always found entertaining about that franchise, and I think one of the reasons I love it so much, is the, the character relationships. Like I know a lot of people think about it for just the ludicrous action sequences and the fact that science and physics has no um, no place in that in that world. But even from like the very first one onward, it's I've always just enjoyed the the bonds between the characters don't get enough of that in action films nowadays. Like it's so much about how many quick cuts can we do? Forget a lot of the times action movies are are great when you have or a reason to care about the action. Whereas like, you know, here we care about the skydiving. We care about the guys robbing the bank, wearing masks with Johnny, not wearing a mask and all that because you, you've fallen in love with these characters. I'm rooting for them to get away. I'm with Gromit when he's like, Let's just get out of town. We know he's a cop. This is normally the time we leave anyway. Let's mm-hmm. just bounce. Like, I don't really see them as bad guys until, you know, Bodhi breaks bad. And what makes Bodhi break bad is when he sees one of his people shot and that he is also possibly about to be shot again by the off-duty cop. And again, more toxic masculinity there <laughs> yep. where you have off-duty cop man in the bank. It's just like, just lay down. The fact that LA was the you know bank robbery capital of if not the actual world like of the continental United States at that point that was apparently facts like that was 
there was an article about that that was part of the original inspiration for the script. So if you were a legit and off-duty cop, you know, like bank robberies in LA are a dime a dozen. And you may, you should, if you were an even halfway decent cop, know about these guys that they never shoot anybody and they're in and out in 90 seconds. So why, why are you trying to be a hero player? Why are you trying to catch these hands? But again, they, you could tell the they did a great job of casting the, you know, cop that's going to shoot first like mr no de-escalation you know johnny utah holds up his badge and says fbi agent undercover and he he still catches a couple in the chest and he still gets shot yes he's half asian and it's not like it's in the character notes (laughs) but (laughs) he's the the only minority in the lanes sorry it's too soon too soon too soon too soon Uh, soon. but it's but even in that scene though again that's another example of Bodie being the maker of his own doom because his boys, he could have easily, they could have robbed the bank, got away with it. If he didn't go for the vault? The bodies are just piling up and a lot of it is based off of just his his arrogance. The arrogance, I get a little, cause you know, 30 banks y'all. LeBron energy in the, in the playoffs, if you will. Mm-hmm. 30 banks and nobody's even come close. He already knows he's stitched up this kid. It's a great plan, actually, except for the going for the vault. The fact that he's gotten Johnny involved. So logically, were it not for Pappas, Johnny should have been stitched up at the scene. And the delay in them screaming at him to actually ask him for details, they would have long missed their window to get them before they got on that plan. It was very interesting to see the the male energy sort of everywhere, especially in that scene in the bank, the spray and pray of, you know, men making bad choices, then not backing down. Bodie with the vault, Johnny with everything that got him there. And then to your point, Bodie's, all of Bodie's bad choices blow up in his face. He was very calculated for a lot of it, but it's almost like when he got around Johnny, the ego started to cause him to, to falter. A mix of the ego and sort of wanting to show off for him, I think, is a little bit of preening. I'm like, look what I can do. It was, he was, what's the line from uh, Bambi? Twitter painted. Yeah, he was absolutely <laughs> like Twitter painted in Johnny's presence. And it's hilarious to watch every single time. It's like great choices, great tactical moves, except when you're in front of Johnny and then you're just a whole mess. <laughs> And I mean, it, it is Keanu Reeves, so it, it is Keanu it's Reeves. understandable. There's some there's some shots of just, you know, Catherine's looking in his eyes and I'm like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> this is, you picked him and, you know, in the rear view, how could anybody ever doubt her choice? Ever. Like even the physicality, like maybe Johnny Depp could have pulled off the, I could get into this, you know, kind of beach bum cult leaders had as much as you could get in mind just with like the charisma side of it but definitely can't see like a charlie sheen or probably any of the other kind of young bro post salem was fire kind of folks that they may have been considering for this keanu's soft boy energy was perfect the perfect kind of offset to kind of the hyper masculinity of everything else he isn't as beefy as he is later on in some other roles so this is like sort of baby beefy Keanu just giving like the long looks and the soft uh, the waking up on the beach scene again probably one of the the sexier scenes in a movie where you have like the you know people start kissing then you smash cut to the morning after yeah like 
when they wake up on the sand and he's like, I'm really late for work, but I really want to keep kissing you. Like that is the cutest scene. It is adorable. And it is, if somebody has to run out the next morning, that's how you want them to run out. You want them to run out, obviously, like wanting to throw another one in you. Show some affection in the morning, like not just like a kiss and then you hop into the pants and you have like the typical shot of like the guy facing the window because he doesn't want to look at her because he's not telling her everything. This is very much like I woke up on the beach. This is ridiculous. I'm late for my own raid, but oh my God, she's so cute. I'm just going to like keep giggling and kissing her. Like how fun is that? And they do such a good job of building up their relationship so that you b- believe that he would have those giggles, like he would be excited to to wake up with her on the beach. I very much like that the energy on both sides between her and Bodhi is like, you know, he's he still refers to her as his woman, which is wildly problematic, but whatever. But I like the way she's also like, yeah, I used to smash that to the other woman. She's I taught him that trick. So they're mm-hmm. both just this kind of filthy shady to each other, like, <laughs> <laughs> which... Again, I love that energy. And he's yeah, look how good it works. She loves it. And the woman's like, thank you. It's very sex positive. Yeah, it it actually is. And this film was like 1991. 90s action films did not have these these elements. And I mean, these are these are small moments, but they go so far in terms of making the film really pop the way it does. And making it age better than I ever thought it would, especially compared to other action movies. Like the whole Bruce Willis arriving in town, Die Hard, you know, the women at the airport are hitting on him because he's so irresistible. Like, it's just, come on. That's, it's a bit much. Plus, nobody looks great coming off a plane. Literally no one. I've been (laughs) on a plane going to LA that is like, you know, half full of actual people in this industry. Even they don't look good getting off a long flight. So that's just ridiculous. Bruce Willis is not going to look great coming off like a flight from New York to LA. No way. No how. I was going to say the passenger 57, you know, Wesley Wesley looked all right. But again, it's the same. But yeah, even then, like the... I think it was a flight attendant was hitting on him early on that. Like there's that whole, we need to establish that he's not only tough, but the ladies want him. Whereas here you, you don't really need that. Is there anything else you want to bring up about this film? I mean, I feel like so many things about Keanu Reeves' career involve a combination of luck and for whatever reason, a series of very interesting directors finding him interesting and also a studio's first choice, if not the director's first choice, saying no. Obviously the most famous uh, example of this being The Matrix where Will Smith said no. But there is something about this role that is, I'm not going to say it's peak Keanu, but it, it does employ most of the things he's good at. And he does a great job at all of them. Like it's some of his best pianoing. Everything from like the the pseudo surfer speak, where it's almost like he's busting on the different versions of himself that he has and is about to play in future roles to the, you know, kind of earnest, I would actually trust this man, even if he was actual real law enforcement. That's saying a lot as a Black person. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just his general commitment to a somewhat preposterous plot to the point where you, you start to believe it. Honestly, the, the only real moment that took me out of this from like a suspension of disbelief thing, because everybody commits so well, is when he kicks the dog that gets thrown at him. <laughs> You know, John Wick would never, neither would Keanu. And, you know, I have seen at least two different interviews where they specifically say that was not a real dog that was kicked, but still. First of all, any dog that's thrown at Keanu would instantly try to give him licks and cuddles and would never try to scratch his face. All things that a Keanu was made for, I believe he got to bring some of the best bits of him into play here. And I feel like this role and his choices immediately afterwards just uh, helped us get the Keanu that we have today. 
I like the imagery that you've put in my head of a dogs, dogs being thrown at him and then just putting on like this big smile on their face, you know, like the, the most vicious dog cannot uh, penetrate the, the great aura that is, that is Keanu. That is a, a perfect image to, to end off on. Tulia, thank you very much for coming on the show. Where can listeners find you? At inatif.com, on Twitter at obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, as well at Back Issue Bloodbath, where weekly on Wednesdays we release talk about an older, sometimes not that old comic book. Excellent. And listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Small Mind, or you can contact the show on Twitter at Changing Reels AC. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, you can change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time.